It's your calling. You're listening to Rich Tracy, Neil Cobalt. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Very good day, everybody. Welcome to our podcast for the last day of May 2022. 31st of May, that's our date. Well, the weather here, stinking hot. I think that's all we can say. It's absolutely roasting. Uh, But having said that, uh, it's nice. The gardens are looking good and um, people appear a bit happier and with that I'm going to get in the car and we'll go down about an hour across a mountain range and I should be able to find Neil and enjoying Polyp and the Costa Blanca like me. Um, Neil good morning to you and how are you? Morning Vince, to be honest I've just come back from a walk and I'm absolutely lathered, <laughs> sweat's pumping out of me. It's yeah. absolutely roasting, but beautiful. There is a little bit of a breeze every now and again, and you're grateful for that when you do. You know, when you're on a walk, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, everything in the everything in the garden is rosy, Maud. Yeah. Well, we've got lots to talk about, so I'm going to crack on and uh, let's get our first talking point, and here it comes. Okay, uh, I don't really want to give this guy's name, but I will do. Uh, James MacDougall, 37. Okay, so he goes ahead with private sperm donations, despite knowing that he suffered from fragile X syndrome, which I must admit I'd never heard of. Now, the genetic condition which is inheritable leads to low IQ and developmental delay and cannot be cured. This guy's donations were revealed as part of a family court battle in which he'd hoped he would result in him having access to four of the children he had fathered. Despite originally signing up an agreement uh, saying he did not want any contact with some of the children, uh, he applied to the courts for parental responsibility orders and child arrangement orders, allowing him to spend time with four of his children. Three mothers opposed him and a judge, Mrs Justice Leaven, I think it is, sitting in Derby, has ruled that he should not have parental responsibility for the children because it would cause harm to them. In a highly unusual move, the judge also said that uh, MacDougall should be named uh, to stop other women from using him as a sperm donor. Mrs. Justice Levin said in her judgment that McDonald's children, so McDonald McDougall's children, born after he advertised on a social media page for lesbian women seeking sperm donors, currently aged between three and a few months old, these children. The court heard that he chose to be a sperm donor despite knowing he could not go through a clinic because he has this fragile X syndrome. Neil, we start with um, some of these horrible, stupid stories that, um, quite honestly, are dominating the newspapers in the UK. What do you make of that one? Well, at least one judge has got a bit of sense. You know, I mean, how ridiculous can you can you get? I'll be a sperm sperm donor, and I've got this this uh, this whatever it is, some X or whatever. I mean. Where's the mentality in some people? The world's going berserk. It's going bonkers. But at least the judge just said, no, forget it, pal. You shouldn't have been doing this in the first place. And really, they, sh- they should, you know, they should charge him with whatever they can do with his medical uh, thing that he's got. You know, well, you know, really punish him. Not, not only can he not see his kids, you know, but that, I mean, if you're a sperm donor, you, you knew this was going to happen sooner or later, somewhere along the line that, you know, some of these spurned home families, you know, fathers, would want to see some of their kids. No. No, go and have your own with your own, you know, your own girlfriend or your own wife or whatever and get up. I just, oh, it's, it's going bonkers, man. Well, I think quite honestly, um, I don't want to sound like some sort of evangelist, but it's just really, 
it's gone too far because, you know, we talk about the gift of life. Now, whether you have faith or whether you come from a different religion, it shouldn't really prejudice what I'm going to say too much, which is basically if you are somebody with a disease and you know that you've got a disease and that you're applying uh, via social media for lesbians who basically don't want a normal relationship um, from the world that I come from, I'm going to sound very old-fashioned and I don't care uh, the woke people can wake up because sooner or later somebody's got to get a grip of what's going on. You know, if you're going to be advertising uh, for something like that, then obviously you've rejected normality for me. Yeah, Is yeah, 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 they have, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, I'll, I'll be a sperm donor and, you know, he, he probably charges for it as well. I don't know if he does, but he probably does. And and then all of a sudden, now he won't see these kids that he didn't want in the first place. And But he'll, he'll have not had sexual intercourse, I don't think. He'll have probably, you know, donated it in one of them, what they call basters or something, that you send to him and No idea. Whatever. Not 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 my not no. my area of expertise. <laughs> not mine either. Really. <laughs> but I mean, the, the the thing for me is, look, um, are we becoming animals? Because quite frankly, that's where I think all this is beginning to look like it's going to end up. Um, if we think that uh, procreation is really about just going into a little cubicle and uh, masturbating or something like that and then you know sending it to somebody who basically uh, doesn't want a relationship that allows a normal sort of birth for uh, the way that um, we were brought up should we say uh, I mean look I know the minute anybody hears what I'm saying that they'll disagree with me of course they will but the, 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 they're not looking at reality reality is if you've got some Somebody who obviously can't be that well educated if he knows damn well if he's if he's well educated then he's wicked because he's knowing that he's actually making this problem for other people yeah he is yeah you see if you're a sperm donor you're thinking of helping somebody out that doesn't want kids in a relationship this that and the other Right. Yeah, but you don't then, help. It, you don't help out, do you? I mean, when all said and done, you you know you're taking away what what is in nature, either a good thing or a bad thing. But whichever way, it's natural because the word nature yeah. comes to the back of na natural. So the natural thing is, if you're in a relationship and you can't have children, that is nature's way of explaining something that we don't know how to really explain. And I think we've we've now gone to the point of, you know, if we're talking about sp sperm donor banks and things like that, uh, we can't get much further away from any sort of uh, deep thinking process, can we? No, but yeah, also there's that IVF that people go for, isn't there, as well, which is a registered type of thing, isn't it, you know? But that doesn't necessarily make that, it better. You know, I mean, by all yeah, means... Well, I'm not saying it makes it better. I'm just saying that, you know, some people... This uh, Is it artificial insemination? Yeah. HIV, uh, it, well, it's, the same it's the same principle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all registered and done above board. He's come, you know, under the thing, knowing he's got this disease and spreading this disease to these women. I mean, today... Not, not on. Today I was reading the headlines in one of the newspapers and apparently this monkeypox thing, which they're now trying to inflict on everybody, um, seems to be, you know, gathering a bit of momentum. And um, they're saying now that uh, anybody who has been identified with monkeypox has got to wear condoms for the next eight weeks or something. Now, who the hell can monitor that. You tell me how you're going to get that exactly. monitored. I mean, A, it doesn't make th that much sense because at the end of the day, we all know, nobody's speaking up and saying this. But if the doctors... Well, well hang on, I shouldn't say that because I, I saw a doctor on TV explaining that it has to be skin on skin. If that's the case, and we do know that it's, it's prevalent in a certain part of the community, um, that's where you should aim your information to... To stop it that that seems very much like a bit like the aids uh, how that all started yeah. people forget these things don't they well, yeah well you've got this you, you have this doctor and, and a professor on saying it's just like measles 
you know, you, you just get it for a few days or may, maybe seven or eight days, and then it dies down. And then next minute, they're saying that you're always spreading through any everything, and you know what I mean, all sorts. You, you can't believe anything that you, you hear on telly because there's always somebody putting another thing to it and, and, and adding bits and bats on. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, you, you just get overloaded with all this. Okay, um, right, we'll move on, only because uh, that is such a horrible story to have to start talking about anyway. Um, you know, yeah. I, I have no respect for these people at all. All right, let's move on. Okay, hot weather. That means that every now and again we get a sticky, um, we get a sticky wicket, and we have to just go with what we get. So I'll leave that and go straight to travel firms were savage today as chaotic scenes continued to plague the tourist industry with passengers bemoaning cancelled flights. One crew claiming they were running out of fuel with delays and axe planes tormenting those at UK airports. There are also serious problems for those trying to return home. Meanwhile, families have been forced to sleep on the floor of airports as Britain's travel hell continued today with little sign of abatement. In Stansted, the combination of delays and queues provided nightmare conditions that saw some try and get rest on the floor. Elsewhere, jam-packed outdoor lines formed outside Bristol's terminals from 4am under the sky as the day dawned and Manchester also featured long queues this morning. Um, have you been seeing all these, um, you know, just horrible yeah. sort of scenes for people who are travelling? Yeah. yeah, I've had people uh, still there in Manchester for hour upon hour. Now, I don't get this. People got furloughed. They got full wages, didn't they? They got 80% um, off the government and 20% off the, the Easy Jets and Ryanairs and, and all them. And, and they've let the staff go. Just hang on a minute. We're paying you 80% of their wages, and you're getting rid of them. Well, how does that work? Have they got to pay all that money back? <laughs> they won't. All this furloughed money that they had, because now we've got no staff. It's an absolute disgrace. And Manchester, because where I'm from, and I fly out of Manchester, well, I've nearly always flown, but I changed my mind last time, and I flew into Liverpool. It's basically the same distance from, you know, from where I am for both Liverpool and Manchester. As easy as pie. Nothing, no hold-ups, no nothing. Fantastic, right? You, I, get, I, get, I got back to England when I went for my brother's wife's funeral. I got back and I looked on news and there they are again in Manchester queuing for miles and miles and, and flights being, you know, uh, cancelled or delayed for hour upon hour. Well, I think hour. there's a clue. It's a disgrace. I think there's a clue here. Today's headline, airport chaos could cancel jubilee plans for thousands. Warning, travel nightmare will continue over the weekend and last all summer as police are drafted in to tell furious passengers their holidays are cancelled and trips are called off by last-minute texts. I think, quite honestly, yeah. you know, the, the thing from a distance that I believe now more and more as I see more and more evidence is that tritely, uh, totally trying to confuse everybody... Um, from anything that was normal now, let's make it look as abnormal as we possibly can, uh, because, quite frankly, um, we all want to be walking around in grey jackets being told we can't go to the bank and we can't do everything else. Um, there's a group of people that are tr trying to promote all this for me. Yeah. Well, the trouble well, is... I, that... but I mean, I, I'm not being funny, but if you book 230 people on a plane, you, you, you know that plane's going to be there I think, but then they're saying, "Oh, well, it's this security where you go through this security thing, you know, where you put your bag under that scanner, and then every now and again they throw yours out, and there's no in it, but they just say, oh, it's one of them. It comes every now and again.' No, that that should be sorted. All that, all these, uh, them that are in charge of Manchester, Bristol, Gatwick, all over, all these airports, they're on fortunes, absolute fortunes. But when anything comes," That causes a bit of lumber. Oh, they, they dive back into office and say, "Oh, we'll pass it down the line." It's a disgrace. It's, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be happening. Well, it's, it's a nonsense. 
One of the biggest reasons why we make this podcast is that we're looking at the headlines and things that people probably don't talk about maybe in the way that we're discussing them. I mean, I'm just seeing that's all about the, the the chaos at the airports and everything. And then straight under is a comment on this first story that I looked at and the way that they headline that he just wanted to help these women fulfill their dreams. Family of sperm donor who fathered 15 children with lesbian mothers despite incurable genetic condition claim he did it because he's kind-hearted and would do anything for anybody. This is totally and utterly how you confuse people, how you get people totally muddled in the way that they think. There's nothing clearer in my mind that that is just absolutely outrageous. Um, I I think... And what what are the kids going to grow up like? with this disease and then they pass it on to their kids and you know what i mean that's right there should be laws for that and that's what i said at at the beginning he should be punished him with whatever but it's still not going to help them kids and then all this nonsense oh he was just trying to help somebody please wake up smell the coffee and shake your head for a bit yeah okay let's move on oh i can't believe i read half of these things hang on Okay, so um, again, just reading it as it appeared in the paper, uh, there's this Jade, 32-year-old from Kent, um, was working on a boat when she suffered a small cut to her left arm. Um, And while she was saving somebody from drowning, this was in 2018, and she's a mother of one, and she's been out of work ever since, and she said that within weeks of the wound becoming infected, she began developing ulcers right down to her fingers. One day, uh, while speaking to her mother, she suddenly felt a wave of illness come over her and she passed out. Uh, she was rushed to hospital and diagnosed with sepsis. This is a life-threatening reaction to an infection that kills a quarter of people it ho- hospitalises. Now, you know, when you're reading about this other guy... And, you know, you, you feel so annoyed with the way some people are. Your heart goes out to a girl like that. I mean, she's 32 and she tried to save somebody's life. She got this what appeared to be uh, a small cut uh, to her arm. And, uh, you know, she's in a right mess. And the papers did show just how bad it was. The thing is, you know, you, once you let something come into your body... Um, and we could include in this anything, vaccines or anything. Any germs can get in and create absolute havoc. And it's even things like I remember many times being told, you know, when you're working out in the garden or outside, anywhere near maybe where animals defecate, anything like that, you've got to be so careful. Otherwise, you know, um, the minute you cut something, you've got to quickly go and wash up and make sure you get some disinfectant and all that sort of stuff. Um, That is sad, isn't it, when you hear about a girl like that? Exactly, yeah. 32, with a youngster and get sepsis i mean and this this is uh, well it's been going on for four years now so you know how do you get out of this you know how do we work on her to get it back to get her back to normal you know it's one of them once it's in your body your body just really should sort it out and if not get some help and see what these you know all these professors and medicine men and this that and the other surely they must be able to do something for it yeah um, I mean, really, the the this poor lady, your heart goes out to her. But I mean, there are so many. Well, there are so many times when you know something small will happen, uh, which you think is pretty insignificant, and you think, oh, well, you know, there's that's a bruise, or that's, you know, and you know, then there's the other side of it where you've got. I mean, so many people around me here 
uh, in Spain where you only have to sneeze and everybody's grabbing the mask and, you know, um, <laughs> getting artificial yeah. respiration and all sorts of things happening, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one, that. And you feel very sorry for that particular girl, especially as she did it when she was trying to help somebody, you know. Exactly, when she tried to save somebody to drown. How many times have we had cuts on old football pitches that were made on old tips at one time? Oof, yeah. And then you, you, you could have you could have 50, and then you get one, and all of a sudden, if it's if it's on your leg, you've got a lump in your groin, you had to take antibiotics and yeah. God knows what. Yeah. Or if it were on your arms or, or other body, you got this lump under your armpit. Yeah. You know, to say that it's a gone, it's a gone bad. Exactly. You know? I remember um, I used to hate it when we'd turn up for a, a game of rugby and, um, you know, you'd just look down and there was either cow pats or sheep dirt, sheep stuff everywhere, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and it were built on old tips or the old uh, cinders. They, yeah. they, they, they got rid of all the cinders, flattened them all out and then put a bit of uh, grass seed on. You know, that's, make it into a football pitch. That's probably yeah. where we got our antibodies, mind. You know, when when we were exactly, sort of yeah. young and doing that. Whereas now, uh, I mean, the, the minute a child or especially, as I say, here in Spain, the minute anybody goes near anything, um, they, they, they don't mind dropping dirt and leaving things for other people to clear up. But the minute maybe a kid falls over or something like that, you know, it's reach for the um, Savlon or whatever the equivalent is, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's the same as when they, when they feed them. Now, if, if if you had a dummy when you were a kid and you drop your dummy onto the floor, your grandma would pick it up. Uh, I don't know what were on her, um, you, you know, the, what she were cooking in. Yes. Uh, what do you call it? The, the, the what, what, the pinny? Oh, what else? The pinny. Pinny. Yeah. yeah. That were covered in all sorts, everything, every <laughs> food in the world. And all she'd do is stick it in her mouth, wipe it on a pinny, and then shove it back in your mouth. Right, so all all the antibodies that your body were producing just help you along. You know, you never you never saw them, you know, with anything else but dummies or anything. We used to eat mud. Yeah, and that's tar, right. Yeah, you remember tar balls when they first started doing floors from cobble streets? Yeah, we used to roll them up in a ball and you have them as chewing gum and all sorts. You know, and worms. You immune system going. Well, yeah. you know, if, if a baby now. It's it feeding and, and drops the bottle or whatever it is, or they drop the dummy. It's got to go through, through six sets of uh, the disinfectant and this stuff and that stuff, and, do, and then they give it them back. No, you've got to put some in for your body to, to get used to it and, and fight it off well, that's when the, you're young. That's the danger that everybody has been under for the last couple of years, especially, as I say, here in Spain, where everybody's masked up. So, you know, the, 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 you, you go down to where you would normally go looking for fresh air down at the beach or up in the mountains, and you've got people still passing you with, with masks on. Do me a favour. Here's the next one. Well, everything's... Everything's too sanitised. That's what it is. Absolutely. Okay, a jingle and then we carry on. You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. Okay, so we've got the airports, um, all the disruption there and everything, uh, which is why I tend to think that there are numbers of people who just don't want the Queen's Jubilee to go ahead. I'm not a royalist, as you well know, so, you know, it sounds strange me feeling so annoyed about this, but vandals have destroyed flowers worth thousands of pounds that were meant to be on display for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Uh, displays costing up to £10,000 were ripped up to shreds in uh, Sloan Street, Chelsea, by a group of people um, on the morning that uh, I got this particular uh, article. A window cleaner in the street said people had ruined the displays and left a scene of destruction. He said members of the public destroyed it. They were like animals. They just destroyed everything. It was like a riot. Um, a lady of 66, Serena Crawford, a designer from South Africa, saw the flowers after they were destroyed 
and she said to the newspaper, it was extremely unpleasant and devastating. Ms Crawford questioned why anyone would want to steal the flowers from shopkeepers who just wanted to bring a smile to people's faces during the Jubilee. What are you going to get from those flowers? Every time you look back, it's a reflection of who you are, she said. This is only a tiny minority of people who don't know better. Um, that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, you almost get in a totally divided uh, society. And, you know, as I say, I'm not a royalist. But the last thing I want is for anybody to upset the apple cart and spoil the fun of other, from fun of other people. Um, I don't know about you, but I just feel there's mischief makers everywhere. The royal family haven't helped themselves because obviously, apart from the Queen and probably Princess Anne... Um, a lot of them have really let the side down. I think most people are a little bit fed up with Prince Andrew. I don't know if you saw him the other day, back in his carriage with his big feathery cap on and his gown and everything and uh, looking the part again. Um, But, you know, he's not been very easy. And um, obviously, Prince William, brilliant. Prince Harry, another cup of tea altogether. Uh, You know, do you blame people uh, or... Can you sort of sigh with some of the issues that they take with the royal family? No. No. That's That's got nothing to do with royal family. They're just putting that on because the Queen served us for 70 years and this, that and the other. And it makes... If you walk down the street, you see lovely sets of flowers out and it, it, it brightens your day up. You know, yeah. it brightens everybody there. But there's no respect for anything now with these young'uns, right? You know, teenagers and all that, they're all coming up. They all see it all happening, and they go and do the same thing. There's no respect for police, teachers, anybody in authority. It's just a, it's a disgrace. That there's it starts th- at home. That's where it starts. Yeah. You're right there. Incidentally, um, there's nothing in the article that says it was young people. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to just presume, but I think... Oh, that's right. the sort of... I can't the... see 70-year-olds ripping flowers up. No, I can't either. But as I say, it doesn't say it, so I've got to be a little bit more oh. cautious about that. OK, well, look, I mean, it's sad because when all's said and done, you you know, you see these things on the telly now. Um, the Queen has done a very, very difficult job from being thrown in at the deep end. Um, yes, I've heard people criticise her, um, you know, things that she could have done as a mother. But, yeah, you can't do everything, can can you, if you've got all these civic duties and all these uh, when you're representing the country. um, You've got to trust, you know, but obviously she needs the support. She needs people around her. Um, I mean, I don't really understand the fact that she's sort of allowed Camilla back into the fold, quite honestly. Um, when all said and done... She... I agree with that part. I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah. And while she's there, neither should Charles take over the throne. It should be moved down one to William. Yeah, I, I, that's it. Now, know. I agree with that as well. Uh, because when all said and done, if you're going to be in name the king and when you go back to the Henry VIII business and he decided what he wanted to do because he was the head of the church, he could do what he wanted, um, then that's where I object to uh, Charles and Camilla. Um, Okay, let's find you another one then. Um, It's very, very difficult to find really nice stuff at the moment. Let's just remind everybody that uh, we do this just to let you know what's in the news, things that other people mightn't be talking about um, for whatever reason. Let's see what we can find. Look out, get the kids some room. He's taking over again. Okay, so a bit of dancing music for us as we look next at. A surprising thing that I read yesterday. RAF warplanes and the Royal Navy will protect this year's World Cup in Qatar. This is the Ministry of Defence announcing in the UK a squadron of fourth-generation Typhoon jets will police the skies above tournament venues and fight terror threats, according to the Defence Secretary. Uh, The guy, Ben Wallace, said, making sure citizens from across the world can enjoy attending the World Cup. Britain and Qatar will join forces to provide air policing in the skies above the tournament. 
uh, Johnny Englander from Manchester. Why are we providing security for Qatar, a country where most of the population hates us, but not for Ukraine, a democratic country where most of the population likes us? Good question, that, actually. It is, yeah, belty. Um, I mean, you don't think that these, this terror thing is going to come from the air, do you, when they've got all these air defence missiles, you know, in Qatar, Dubai, all them areas, that area, UAE areas. Uh, it could be somebody walking in, you know, into, into one of these sports stadiums that's going to do a terrorist act, if anything, isn't they? They're not going to drop it in from sky. Well, it, well, it you know, is. I can't, I can't believe that. But apparently, you know, the there's a there's a squadron which is run by both Qatar and the United Kingdom. Now, you know, we didn't hear anything about this when they were all bidding for the World Cup. I mean, I still think it's bonkers to take everybody off to a roasting hot country when our own seasons are in full swing, close everything down and everybody go out. Um, you know, uh, another aspect of this, they were talking about, there was a report out saying that the carbon carbon footprint, they were going to be so much better uh, by by all the efforts in Qatar. And that's just been discredited today. I, I saw that in another report. Um, but it's like... It's again you're being manipulated, aren't you? You know there's no sense in going to Qatar. Why are we doing it? It's nothing to do with football and the people that like football. It's to do with UEFA and making more money and uh, just pure greed, isn't it? Yeah, pure, that's pure and simple. It's pure greed. And I mean, uh, I'll go to, I'd go to Qatar, but I don't want to be sat in, in a football stadium, boiling up. I'd sooner be on beach having a swim in sea than go to watch, watching football. And you know I'm a football mad. You know, I'm yeah. football mad as you are. But uh, if I'm going anywhere that else, I want to be on beach. I don't want to be in a, sat in a stadium with, you know, 40,000 sweaty bodies and God knows what, and aeroplanes flying over and, yeah. But you don't come nah, sense. Your own common sense tells you why the, the football's not big in the country. It's because it's too blooming hot. And, you know, don't be surprised yeah. if one or two of the players get cardio, cardiac arrests and have a problem. That's what I think. Exactly. I'm with you with that. I mean, me, me and you have played here and we've played on beach football, haven't we? When England, when they had that World Cup, we watched all yeah. that on there. Yeah. And here it was only like about 28, 30 degrees. But after seven minutes... They were all, like, gasping for air. You know, if you're going in 40-odd degrees for 90 minutes in an enclosed thing, even though it's open air, and it's, uh, I mean, that's the good one. They're saying it's all air-conditioned. Hang on a minute, in 40 degrees. Do me a favour. You're not going to feel any cold with a bit of uh, air conditioning going around you, are you? I wouldn't it's have thought nonsense. so. No, um, it's just as you say, if you agreed from U, uh, UEFA and FIFA and all them, we just want to make more money. Okay, I'll find you another one. Stand by. So we go next to uh, Margaret Thatcher's statue in her hometown um, has been vandalised with paint just two weeks after a man was fined for throwing eggs at it. It's £300,000 worth of sculpturing of the former Prime Minister installed on May the 15th. Obviously, her hometown was Grantham in Lincolnshire and it's now been targeted twice. In the second incidence of vandalism, red paint has been thrown over the Thatcher likeness at the base of the monument, which is designed to protect it from vandal attacks. A communist red hammer and sickle have said to have also been spray-painted. Lingature police said just before 11.15 yesterday, we received reports of a person shown on CCTV acting suspiciously near the site. Right, were you a Margaret Thatcher fan? 
I wasn't really, no, not, not at the time, no, no. But as there again, here we go again. No respect for anything. What's the statue of somebody who's become prime minister in their own town? What do you want to go and vandalise it for? You know, give me the reason. I don't understand the reason why anybody would want to go and vandalise it. It's, you know, it's just lack of respect for everything. But I think, you see, this is part of this bigger picture that I keep talking about. I think that, um, you know, it's rather annoying, to say the very least, to see your, your country, which is obviously being targeted as being a place where, uh, you know, people can now talk quite fee- freely about um, basically getting rid of Britain. I mean, you, you actually can read it now of um, Russia's plans. You know, you, you, you see some of the threats that uh, Putin has been making. Now, if people can't see that, um, you know, there is a problem and that it's a communist problem and that basically uh, they still have got to sort of keep it in sort of a little bit like a code for the moment because then, you know, you don't put a big flag out. We're the communists. We're really being successful at the moment. We've got all the strikes that you're having, uh, really more like what we were having in the 70s and 80s. Um, They're having another go for my money. And quite honestly, uh, all these statues that they're targeting are just a little undercurrent which can add into a bigger picture that's what the way i see it um and i also think that um i wasn't a fan i wasn't a big fan of margaret thatcher but i think had she not come along i can remember driving in in the company car in the 70s uh, late 70s coming into the 80s and they would not allow people to bury their dead they used the unions picketed the graveyards uh, the cemeteries, and then they also picketed the hospitals and wouldn't let um, people bring clean bedding into the hospitals. Now, people, I think, are forgetting that this is the danger. The minute you decide, OK, you bring in the Labour Party again, um, then, you know, th- that's that's where you're headed. Unfortunately, exactly. unfortunately, though, you would have thought that with the Conservatives now being strong you would have thought that they'd be stopping all this sort of stuff, but it's getting worse, isn't it? Which means to me there's far more under undercover activity um, and an undercurrent of people trying to get rid of the government. That's what I think. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, I mean, you, we had the, the Corbyn situation and this, that and the other, and uh, years ago we had them, didn't we rent a picket? They used to pick them up in buzzes and go and send them to wherever they wanted picketing. But, I mean, you see that the punishment for that, you know, it won't fit the crime. It'd be a 300 quid fine or something like that. No. No, why are you doing it? What's what's the reason behind it? Come out and tell us. You know, speak to people. Yeah. You know, try and find out what's behind. But we know what's behind deep death, don't we? Well, we do, and... All this left-wing stuff, they just want to bombard you. When you put Labour in again... And then it's in turmoil again. But I think the other thing, Eric... uh, Sorry, Neil. Sorry about that. Um, The other thing for me is, quite simply, when you look at the... um, What's been happening in the colleges? I mean, you've got all these young, woke people now. They've had left-wing drivel thrown down their uh, educational ears for so long that they don't realise... Everybody would like to be able to give money to everybody and, you know, maybe you don't have to work as hard. Don't have a problem with that. But you can't do that unless you make money. And even people like Margaret Thatcher and all these people with statues that they're now throwing and wrecking and doing the stupid things to, these are the people that created wealth. And if you don't create wealth, you can't be charitable to people who need it. And by all means, if anybody's sick, if maybe somebody has been born with, um, you know, disabilities, by all means, they should be helped. Of course they should. But that's not, that's really not what communism is about. Communism is about you keeping down and not being allowed to do anything Look at the why don't why don't these students look at the likes of Hong Kong and China and even Russia, you know, and find out that's what they seem to be promoting. Well, they are promoting that. 
that's exactly what they're doing, but they don't realise because they've never seen what's happening in or they've never read about what's happening in Hong Kong and China and Russia. They just let everything come sweeping over. I were a great big union man, as you know, yeah, labour man, union man, and and all our industries got wrecked through unions wanting to go on strike at the smallest thing they could, disrupt everything. That's that's where you're leading. That's where the Labour Party were leading, and I don't think it's changed at the top since no. when we had British Leyland. We had all our own gas, uh, electric, w uh, water, fuel, coal, everything. It, it, it's, it, that, that's exactly where they want to go, but as they don't realise that the end product is you'll do exactly as you're told and nothing else. See, the problem really, Neil, is... That's pretty clear with the Labour and the Communist part of it. What we really have been totally and utterly duped in our lifetime is that you thought that the right-hand side, I mean, I'm politically speaking to the right and the left, um, that the right-hand side really want to do exactly the same to you, but in their way. Now, what we've lost from the British politics that I've ever studied and been part of um, is this middle ground, the middle ground where you made money but with compassion so that you make your money, you have your people who are rich, but then some of the riches have to go back into society to make sure everybody can have all the services that they need with the doctor and with the hospital and the fire service and the police and things like that. And um, unfortunately, I, I think it's gone far too much um, extremes in both directions, hasn't it? Exactly. Exactly. It's a, if nobody's generating any money, nobody can spend any money. They can't see it. You know, and it's probably most of these on benefits and this, that and the other, you know, that they've got for having kids or whatever, that they think, well, we want more money off them just to have more of us. It doesn't work like that. You've got to get up in the morning at four and five and six and seven o'clock in the morning, go and do your full pay, your full work for your, for your full day's pay. Some of them want everything for nothing, and there's too many, too much of that going on in UK. Yeah. I think the problem is, as I say, I, I've identified definitely in the colleges because I know, you know, when I went to the college, I found myself isolated. I'm not, I'm the rampant right winger, um, you, you know, totally Tory or anything. I'm just an ordinary person that's come up from a very hard-working uh, couple of parents and then obviously you try to better yourself and try to do the same for your own children, etc., etc. But, you, you know, in the colleges, they've been teaching left-wing politics for far too long. And the trouble is, you see, it, there should be no politics there unless you're on a politics course. Sadly, it doesn't work that way. OK, yeah. I'm, I'm going to move on. And then teachers had to join a union and then got told what they were going to teach them. Yeah. No, no, you're right. OK, uh, well, of course, with me not being a dyed in the woods straight from college, straight from school to college, back, I mean, I was 20 years working before I went back to college. So, yeah, I think uh, that's where the problem has come from. But um, we'll move on. Stand by. Okay, that, that music is a little bit too jolly for the next thing, so I'll see what you think when I'm reading about a pet St. Bernard. Now, these are massive dogs. They're big, big dogs. This one weighed 132 pounds, and on his hind legs got up to six feet tall. And, and uh, anyway, he's had to be put down uh, when the mother of a child, Lizanne Nowday from... Johannesburg, South Africa, she's 32, found her little child, Mene, covered in blood. Uh, the toddler also had a huge wound near her neck from a completely unexpected assault. 
The lady told how the horrific onslaught, which still haunts the family, seemingly came out from nowhere as the dog was house-trained and perfect with the kids. Last year, her young daughter was sat with one of the family dogs in the kitchen and the family uh, was there with the dad cooking the dinner. Out of the blue, this St Bernard, which dwarfed, as you can expect, the little girl was overcome with a random bout of aggression and sank his teeth into her face. I mean, absolutely horrific. I've got to say, I don't understand a lot of people when they are with their dogs. You know, and they'll tell you, uh, you're in the room with a very vicious-looking dog and a child, and um, they'll, they'll they'll tell you, oh, he's as soft as anything. He's, you know, he wouldn't dream of touching the child. It would appear that this dog wouldn't dream of touching the, the child. I think really we're stupid with dogs. I think you've got to you've got to be totally and utterly aware of no matter how small they are. If you're anywhere near a, a baby, the baby cannot defend itself. The child, two-year-old, you might think is becoming quite hell, um, handy, but at two-year-olds, usually you can't defend yourself against any dog. Never mind a big one like that. What do you think? They're, they're massive, them, aren't they? You used to have a barrel of rum, didn't you, around the collar. That's, That's right. They are. They're massive. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, how many times have we seen this in last, well, in last couple of months? There's been about four in UK that some kid has been, been killed or mauled to death. You know, it, you've got to be careful. With, with They're a pack animal. Yeah. But you've got a lead, you've got to be the leader. You know, it's all right saying, oh, yeah, well, well when kiddies, what they tend to do is, like, grab, grab its mane or grab it round its nose, don't they? You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, it, they snap, and there you go. It's, it, with a dog that size, one, one little bite with off one of them, it's a, it's a killing adult, never mind a baby. Well, as you, you say, know? I mean, the, the breed is actually uh, famous for rescuing people. And you can't rescue yeah. people unless you've got the bulk to be able to either carry them or drag them uh, from A to yeah. B in needs of uh, maybe getting them to safety. The the thing that, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I see guys walking up and down the, the roads around Spain here and you can see an absolute monster on the end of a chain. Now, if that chain slap snaps or, as I saw on a video that uh, came out last week, um, where a girl lost control of the animal and the animal went for a guy. This was on the underground in London uh, or just outside the underground in London and you see the guy go uh, down and the, the dog was there straight away trying to get him. Fortunately, another guy came in and, and obviously jumped in and saved this fella, but they were two grown men. And, y you know, I don't know. Y you look at some of these people walking around with these dogs and you know... It's like they're using it as a weapon. They, they, they're not there as a pet, are they? Oh, you normally get little men who get big dogs or, you know, attacking dogs, you know, all that lot. Uh, and, and they're walking around like tough guys. It's because they're just little men. They need a big dog. You know, they make me laugh. You well, know, there's no control over it or anything. And then that's, that's where you get that, that, stupid, that stupid idea. I, I mean, there was a girl going down the road the other day. So, I mean, it's not just the, the, the men. I mean, uh, this girl, OK, you know, she looked as if she was on the weights and uh, obviously tattooed up and everything. But, you know, uh, you don't need to be the, as big and strong as the dog. I mean, basically, you only need to be subject to a distraction that takes you away from anything like the control of the dog that you think you've got. Uh, because if a dog decides to kick in and, and go mad, it's this hot weather. I think we always seem to have the problems at this time of the year. Um, but with a child in particular, I mean, you know what child, children are like. They're unpredictable. You know, they go to, they go to touch yeah. the dog, don't they? Yeah, they, they go and grab its nose or pull its ear or whatever. And, I mean, the dog's not going to put up with that, you know, it's just going to turn and, you know, it'll turn and snap. And then that's when you've got to get the control again off the dog away from baby. Because that's what babies do. You think they, they, they soft toys dogs? Yeah. That's what little babies do. 
And they're grabbing the nose and, and you know, pulling their ear and shaking, you know, and then all of a sudden, oh, I've had enough of this. Bang. Yeah. And that's what happens. Okay, yeah. uh, very sad, but anyway, let's find the next couple. Okay, just when you think it couldn't get any sillier, guards are told not to yell at prisoners or refer to them only by their surnames as it doesn't show the requisite respect. An official report into HMP Winchester Prison um, condemned the treatment by screws. I mean, it's, it's written like this to cause problems, you know. The study suggested that guards should show more respect to prisoners. Despite the watchdog's criticisms, the majority of inmates, 57%, believed prison staff did treat them respectfully. So that's the article. And then I looked at this um, comment from a guy in Winnipeg in Canada. Prisoners do not deserve that level of respect. And it's perfectly reasonable they should only be named by their surnames. Addressing them by their first names indicates a level of friendliness, familiarity and lack of professionalism from the guard's point of view. We don't address strangers by their first names, do we? In the military, you're only known by your last name. The only difference with strangers and members of the military is we address them with an added prefix of Mr, Miss, Private, Corporal, etc. Prisoners do not deserve a prefix. They will have to wait until they have been released from prison for that, if they are to be released. Also, the military routinely yells at its members, especially during basic training in the early years, drill practice, etc. If it's good enough for the military... It's good enough for prisoners. Um, Charlie Taylor, the chief inspector of prisons, is being supremely woke about all of this. I agree with him. I agree with that. Get rid of him. If he wants that, get rid of him. Listen, prisoners don't deserve any respect. They're in there for a reason. And the reason isn't good. It's a reason for being bad. They get it so easy now, it's like going in holiday camp and they can get drugs and mobile phones and televisions and Wi-Fi and all that lot. No, no, you take away the privileges. That's what that's what prison were about, to teach you a lesson and don't go and do it again, otherwise you'll be back again. I think that's the... Do, call them, oh, excuse, excuse me, Mr. Colborne. Oh, Neil, Neil, is everything all right in your cell? Well, I've got a few creases on me uh, pillow. Can you get somebody to come and iron me, you know, my pillowcase for What's all that about? Yeah, crazy. Do me a favour. It is crazy. I mean, you you would really expect these high-ranking people to have learned. If they've gone through the ranks, then obviously uh, you'd expect them to give a leadership so that they understand the difference between why somebody is in there in the first place. I mean, you know, exactly. nobody's being sent to prison unless they've offended all of the people that they're supposed to live peacefully with. And they don't seem to do that anymore, do they? They don't do anything. They go in, they saunter about and now they want to be called, you know, as though it's a, it's a nice, friendly chat we're having. No, you're a prisoner. You're in here for doing something wrong. I'm not. You're, I'm just shouting at you for do what you're told. That's it. Or you get locked in yourself for 24 hours or whatever. All this. He was sacking him if he's in charge of prisons. Well, I, I, I'm afraid it drives me absolutely mad. We've got one last story. Let's see if I can find something a little bit lighter. Here we go. So the Queen next. And our final subject... Um, no pun intended, really. The Queen looks set to personally own her first ever pub at her Sandringham estate in Norfolk. The gastro-style pub is planned to be created in her estate's former social club, which closed down two years ago. The Royal Estate, which is privately owned by the Queen, 
plans to lease out the vacant Victorian building for conversion into a pub while retaining the freehold. If the plans go ahead, it will mean that the Queen will have her own watering hole less than a mile away from Sandringham House, while it will also be a new local for Prince William and his family who have uh, country residence just across the fields at Arnmore Hole, Duncan Hines, Common Sense, um, somebody writing from the United States, Wake up, England! If the kings and queens of past received all their money from taxing the citizens, the serfs, she's spending your money on that pub, not hers. None of it's hers. They've been ripping you off for centuries. Any personal wealth the royals have came from the backs of the citizens. Wake up. Just get rid of kings and queens and be your own family's royal. Whew. Okay, so we know where he stands. Um, for me... Uh, I have to say that I came away from Britain and I was really very anti-royal. Um, I, I didn't like w what had happened with Princess Diana and I felt that the royal family were far too privileged. Um, I've never been a fan of Prince Charles because I worked at his um, the, the farm where he actually uh, rented his property out to the college to um, give him more income. I mean, the thing is, um, I don't think there's anything yet that I've seen that can replace royalty. That's the problem I have. What do you think? Exactly, yeah. I'm with you with that. Now then, Lizzie, opening a pub, that'll do for me. I'm, I'm behind her 100%. Then, when, I got half, when you got halfway through the story, I thought, hang on a minute. But it's not for Joe Bloggs like me and you. No. It's for William and Harry and everybody. And all. Oh, oh, Lizzie, no, no, no. Open it as a pub to the public. Marvellous. Well, that's what I'm... come in and have a look at you. That's exactly right. But I think the guy is even, you know, the critic is even saying that if she opens it up and all the public can go in, the profits are still always going to... Um, you know, to to the Queen, rather than uh, maybe if it's on a special estate, she's already got all the money coming in. Wouldn't it be a nice idea to sort of make it a non-profit-making venture? Could that be done? I, I mean, I, I suppose if you've got the wherewithal, it could be done, couldn't it? Exactly. If you were open to the public and it's a non-profit-making one, cheap ale, cheap wines, everything, marvellous. I couldn't falter one bit with that. But as you say, halfway through reading, it's not Joe Bloggs like us can go in and have a pint. It's all the hooray Henrys. that are all the angers on round royal family. That's another part of royal family I don't really like. Why well, no. we have to keep paying for all them? If we're playing for Queen and, and Charlie and, and William and Kate, yeah, that's fine. All the others, forget it. I've got, I've got you've a... had your chance, go and earn your own money. Yeah, as, I, as I've said a few minutes ago, you know, the thing for me is after a period of time away from the UK, you can clearly see if the monarchy does go, they've got huge problems because, quite frankly, oh, there's nothing that replaces. I mean, you, you know, if you look at the Queen herself, I mean, she's been just a nice lady, she's a little old lady, but I think the thing is, you see, you can see through it now. You can see that she'll have all these people making pots of money and basically it's feathering the nest of a very tight circle. And it goes back to this, you know, 1% um, of the population owning 99% of everything that's in it. And it's not just Britain. Yeah. It's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. Well, if, if you if they get rid of, you know, if they get rid of royalty, can you imagine Buckingham Palace being a Witherspoons and Windsor Castle being a McDonald's and, and, and all that, because that's what'll happen, won't it? You know, it just goes all to pieces. It's just all falling bits. We haven't really achieved much as people. You know, all we've got is still squabbling over who's got the money rather than trying to find ways of giving everybody else. I mean, I'd love to be a lot more socialist, but, you know, when you then give money away and you see how it's wasted... It makes you feel, well, exactly. what's the point? You know, why should I work as hard as I can so that you don't work as hard as you could? You know, and especially with exactly. the young people, with the with the energy that they should have, they're not they're not really spending it correctly for me at the moment. 
Exactly. That's what I'm saying. These benefits are too easy to get now. And, you know, we had to get up, go and do our work. We still paid our taxes. Yeah. But, but we're paying our taxes. Forget Lizzie. Yeah. What yeah. about all these on benefits that shouldn't be on benefits and people, you know, and these illegal immigrants and people like that? That's where yeah. you should be jumping on that. Yeah. You know, get it, get it on a level playing field because half of the workers that are grafting every day just paying it to all these people are too lazy for get off out of bed and go get a job. Absolutely, and and these uh, these guys who have fought for the country and have got nothing, um, and you've got all these yeah, people who've come in illegally. On street, they've got no home. These have been in the army twenty odd years. They, they sat on the streets. It's wrong. Neil, completely wrong. And somebody comes in as an illegal immigrant, and he gets put up in a four-star hotel, gets car because he might be. Uh, shouted at it on a bus and, and this no get let's start going back to looking after our own first yeah neil that's it the hour is up and once again a big thank you for joining me we've looked at the papers and we've looked at some of the nonsense that's uh brainwashing the public catch you next week yep. thank, All right, Vince. Lovely. thank you, you neil bye-bye bye-bye